what what's happening how's it going uh sorry i'm like two minutes late that's not good when i keep telling everyone what time we're starting and, and then i'm two minutes late but um thanks for clicking and uh being online i'm testing out something right now yes and it works cool so uh welcome to the good work live i am dave i am your uh friend and screen buddy for the next few minutes as I talk about some things that uh, I think may be uh, valuable to us and what we're doing in this project. Uh, you might be new to this page on Facebook. Uh, if you are, I encourage you to go to our website, thegoodwork.org, learn more about what we're doing. Uh, and if you have any questions, you can reach out and contact me and uh, find out more. Anyways, on Wednesday nights around 6:45, I get along. I get along. I get along with myself occasionally. But other than that, I also get online at 6:45, and I uh, uh, I share with you this and uh, uh, what we're doing and some things I think that are cool that maybe uh, will be helpful to you. So, thanks for jumping on. I apologize if it sounds like I have swallowed a uh, handful of. The past two nights, uh, I was given a very generous gift to uh, attend uh, two professional wrestling programs on back-to-back -back nights in downtown Phoenix. The WWE was in and myself and Good Work community folks, Rob and Chris and my wife Katie, and I went to SmackDown. And as you can tell, uh, I think it's real. <clears throat> so, my voice is shot. And then today, uh, Good Work community buddy uh, Steve invited me to the first uh, Diamondback spring training game of the year. So, I went to that, and I attempted <clears throat> to yell at the umpires. It didn't go well. So, uh, hopefully, this lasts an extra 10 or 15 minutes, and I can get through this. So, anyways, that's, that's what's going on there. How are you? How are things going for you? What's your story this week? No, just playing. Unless you want to, in, in which case, say something in the comments, because I'd actually genuinely like to know what's going on with you this week. Um, we have one week left in our uh, our kindness campaign to help out Poverty's Pets. That's a nonprofit organization that uh, takes care of stray uh, dogs or dogs that need homes. Uh, especially in underserved uh, parts of Phoenix. If you'd like to give to them, uh, you can give directly or you can give through us uh, through our website. Again, thegoodwork.org slash support. Uh, find out more information. We've had two events uh, that they've held that we've invited you all to to check out what they're doing, but uh, there's more information online. Or again, you can reach out to me if you'd like to know more about them. So I hope you'll consider doing that. Uh, we have a financial gift going to them and matching funds if you were so inclined to uh, be generous uh, in that way this uh, this month. So we're doing that through the 28th, uh, and then we will have uh, another way that you can be kind going forward. A lot of you may have gotten uh, an email from me inviting you to dinner over at my place. I'd love to cook for you. Uh, it's something new we're experimenting with in the good work. Uh, a way for you to uh, to engage in what I hope is something meaningful and fun. 
So uh, check for that in your inbox. And if you didn't get something and you're interested in having a meal prepared for you by yours truly, uh, I'd love to make you dinner and uh, and just uh, hang out and talk and have a good time. So uh, reach out to me. If you didn't get an email, I'd love to invite you to that. Um, two things that I'm really excited about. Actually, it's, it's two specific things besides everything else I've just talked about, which I'm obviously thrilled about, um, except the voice thing that hurts. Uh, uh, but there's two, uh, two books that I'm going to be reading in the next couple weeks. And you, you obviously don't have to, but I know a couple other people are, and it might be fun if you are reading along with, uh, so, um, one of them is, uh, Rob Reinders, my partner on the project. And I have talked about picking up and reading. It is not a new book. It is an old book. I think it's 80 years in publication. Yeah, that's actually what it says uh, on the cover. But sometimes it's trying to get back to your roots. You connect with people and your own authenticity and your own agenda and how you kind of vibe and how you interact with other human beings. And so uh, he and I are going to dig into uh, how to win friends and influence people by Dale. Again, old school book. But um, sometimes it's good to go back to some roots, and we thought we would read this and uh, talk about it. Again, we don't have a small book group. We're not anything super organized, but if you're interested in uh, reading while we read this, that's something I'm going to be getting into in the next couple weeks. And then my buddy Steve uh, gave me this book, and I thought it would be uh, pretty tremendous too. So if you're more in the uh, spiritual journey realm and you want to read something that uh, is more of a uh, spiritual focus book on your own journey. Um, going to be reading this by Henry Nowen, uh, The Return of the Prodigal Son. Um, I think this would be a really uh, powerful book if you were a person who has faced rejection or uh, exclusion or if you're a person who has relied on religion and found it to be a, uh, a broken place to find meaning by itself or uh, you've you've dragons or whatever I think people on journey that's kind of a good place for them to be it's a uh, if you take out the religious connotations of this uh, the story of the prodigal son if you if you haven't heard of it is a powerful story about uh, personal redemption and uh, I think it's really cool so I'm gonna be reading those two books a couple weeks no rush but if you have any interest in those, I would like you for you to, to say hi to me and let me know. And it would be cool to uh, talk about those together. Okay. So I'm doing that. I'm doing those. I'm excited about that. Uh, doing uh, uh, dinners. I'm excited about that. We have a couple other little group hangouts uh, that we'll be sharing with you. There's some other nonprofit fundraiser events. It would just be cool to go and crash. So uh, be on the lookout for those on this page. Um, invite people that you think might enjoy trying to do uh, to this Facebook page. Uh, share this video if it is valuable to you or to them maybe. Uh, and and uh, I, uh, I think we can continue to grow like we have been and really begin to discover some cool ways to connect with each other and some meaningful ways to live uh, together that creates value and uh, compassion in neighborhoods, our uh, schools, 
places and I have a feeling that I'm speaking quietly. I can't tell, so I'm trying not to yell. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay. What I want to talk to you about tonight, I'm going to try to keep it real brief and real high level, not too detailed and gritty. Uh, if you have any kind of connection to the religious realm of Christianity, you will, you will know that this is uh, in the, uh, the church calendar year, the season of Lent. Uh, Lent happens right after, uh, uh, culturally, what we know as Mardi Gras. Uh, but in the church here, it's the it's the 40 days uh, going up to Easter, and this is a, a historically a very solemn time of year uh, for a large swath of Christianity. It, it's a time of deep self-sacrifice uh, uh, or, or self-discipline in in order to connect to the divine in a in a very meaningful way. Um, if you are unfamiliar with Christian calendar patterns, uh, you may have still heard of it. Uh, you may have heard of the idea of fasting or doing without something. Uh, but it's, it's, it's one of the ways that every year, uh, big C generic, large brand Christianity tries to express its beliefs and its faith, uh, which is commendable. I'm not against it per se. I am against kind of the commercialization of Lent and the idea of, of doing things you ought to do because you just ought to do them anytime throughout the year, You're doing them during Lent and saying that that's the actual sacrifice. That's a whole different thing. But there's this whole cheapening of Lent thing that I just like, if you're going to do it, like you should actually sacrifice. That's just my only thing. Like, don't say you're doing Lent and you're turning off social media. I I know that's harsh and that's a critique. And maybe you've done that before. I'm not judging you. I'm just saying it's probably like we could probably all cut down on social media. All right, I'm not gonna get into that. You can disagree with me, by the way. But I just I I think it cheapens Lent when we cut out chocolates instead of actually sacrificing something uh, like real food. Um, but I know there Dave, gosh, he's so, such a radical. Uh, anyways, not what I wanted to talk about tonight. So good thing I'm not going to go on a tangent. Uh, what I want to talk about tonight was uh, that uh, Christianity as a whole has always had this like church year calendar and and some some tribes in evangelical Christianity just it's just thrown it out the window and doesn't participate in it but the majority of Christianity has this church year calendar and it begins or one or thereabouts the first Sunday in December and it goes throughout the year and there are these peaks and these valleys to the church year where there are these special holidays and special periods where certain things are practiced every year. Christmas, or uh, uh, Advent leading up to Christmas, then Christmas, and then there's Epiphany, and then there's, uh, and then there's, uh, and then there's, and there's uh, the Holy Week services, and then there's Easter, and then there's a period of ordinary time, and uh, the, uh, there's before ordinary time, there's, uh, there's the other one. Uh, wow, hey, 
uh, it's a long day. I can't remember all of them. But there's holidays and there are peaks and valleys, and it's a it's a system that allows a group of people who are let's say aligned on the same major points focusing together it's a way for them to act in sync with each other as they remember who they are and who they hope to be and 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 what their values are so there's this church year calendar and uh, six or seven years ago while I was in uh, seminary uh, grad school for religious dorks um, I wrote this paper, and it's I'm not going to read it to you or anything. Trust me, you wouldn't like it. Uh, but this this analysis that said, you know what, whether or not a person is Christian or Buddhist or atheist, religious or non-religious, spiritual or just very uh, humanist, we all have our own calendars our own rhythms and even the least religious among us have these rhythms and these tones to our years for for one way or not for better or worse we all adhere to our own adventies calendars our own lents our own high holidays uh, we all have our own liturgical calendars uh, and I think that's significant here's why uh, I live in Phoenix, and uh, Phoenix uh, has its own rhythm and its own cadence. And culturally, there are things that we know go on in the city, and we up to them, and we we prepare our energy. We understand there's going to be traffic flows and pattern flows, and there are things that we're going to take time off of work to go do, or we're going to get out of town to avoid the mess of or congestion. We're going to participate in this other thing. For example, today is spring training. Spring training is a huge socioeconomic piece uh, to life in Phoenix. Uh, thousands thousands upon thousands of people come uh, here every end of February and sometimes through the entire month of March and spend it rooting on their favorite team or their favorite prospects as these young men uh, find their position on the earth out of the city of Phoenix. There's a lot of energy. There's a lot of part-time jobs. There's different traffic flow patterns that occur because the ballparks are all over the metro. And it's something that usually the whole city gets paid for in one way or another. Now, it's not every one of the million-plus people that are here, but it's enough of the folks that it changes the dynamic in the city. And we all mentally are aware of this time that it happens. We have in Phoenix a large uh, Latino population, um, and yet uh, there are bits of the way that we celebrate uh, that culture that uh, there are other parts of the country that don't, that don't focus on it the way that our population does here. But we have a rhythm to that to celebrate those things. How the um, if you dig down deeper, it goes into neighborhoods and it goes into families and it goes into individuals, how they celebrate. 
and those peaks and those valleys and those times where you know your emotional tank needs to be more filled because of the period of time you're about to go through is, it will require much more of you. Uh, I have friends who uh, just about uh, leave uh, Phoenix to travel out to see friends out east to go see a particular horse race. Uh, and that's something to prepare for. And weeks in advance, uh, they get excited. They save their money. They they buy the, the clothing and the paraphernalia to really kind of live to that season. Watching them is the same as watching my religious friends preparing for a holy period of time in their religious culture. It's exciting for them. It's watch them. Some may not consider traveling out to, to Kentucky to watching the, watching the Oaks uh, races and watching the Derby be a religious thing. But when you watch them prepare, you watch them set aside their energy and their time and their willingness to go do this thing, you realize this is a meaningful, transformative thing for them. They go and do it because they love it. They love the people that they're with. And that's really at the core of what the church has always tried to do. And while the nouns and the verbiage may change, there's still this idea that there are these moments in time, there are these peaks that we get uh, more prepared for, that we spend more time on because of the people that we surround ourselves with and the values that we surround ourselves with uh, are those things that we want to spend that time, that energy, and that money on. So I ask you this tonight. Uh, what are your personal high holy holidays? Uh, and you may be a church attender, but I'm, I'm not talking about that right now. I'm talking about in your life, what are the things throughout the year that if they don't happen every year, they happen fairly regularly, maybe every couple of years. Let's say no more than when the Olympics occur, every handful of years. What are those things that you know are those peaks on your calendar that you've set aside for the most meaningful experiences? Ten-ish years ago, uh, a group of, of my closest friends, who were still some of my closest friends, uh, we took out time right after Christmas, uh, and we would leave Phoenix, and we would go up to the mountains, and we would turn everything off and hide away from everyone for a week. And we called it Festivus. Now, nah, it was kind of a ripoff, but it's what we did. We would get away uh, and spend time with each other and bond, and that's where we got to see... Uh, some of our friends be parents in a very intimate setting as they were parents for the first time. That's where we got to see uh, how much food Aaron could consume before he just about exploded. That's where we uh, uh, sat down and watched bad TV together. And no, it, it, it wasn't for anything that was highly philosophical. It was for the fact that we loved each other and that love for each other created this bond and this desire to spend this intimate time with one another, um, laughing and sharing and eating and watching Aaron gorge himself. Um, and to this day, I think that every one of us who used to do that on an annual basis could easily say that we miss it, um, that there's something there, that, that there's this period of time in this year that we know uh, when things get hectic or when we get tired, we feel like there should be this peak where there isn't one anymore. And times change, and, and as it necessitates, you can't always do the things that you used to do. But it feels like, it feels nearly like we're skipping Christmas. 
or skipping Easter or whatever your religious observance might be. Um, do you have those or did you have them? And what is that like? Is it, is it meaningful to you when you have these moments in your life, your own liturgical calendar, your own high holy holidays, when you miss something and what, what does that do? My last kind of like little insert point for tonight is this. Do those have meaning for you that are only about yourself? And here's what I mean. And my friends who fly out to Kentucky and go, go watch uh, the Oaks or my friends who did Festivus or you who may have a family reunion every year or you may have uh, a pilgrimage to your favorite uh, baseball stadium or, or whatever it may be. Do you find your personal high holy days to be days where you're alone or days when you are with people? I would suggest that more often than not, if not almost every time, those high days, those days that you set aside that emotional energy, that maybe your own financial energy or whatever else it may be, those high holy days of yours personally are ones that you spend with the folks that you care about. And to me, there's something like deeply transcendent about that. Uh, because whether it's a part of a big C church or a little C church or big F family or little F family or whatever you want to call it, um, there's something intrinsically within us that wants to celebrate the sacred things of our lives with the other people who find it to be sacred. One of the things that we've been digging around in our research aspect of, of this the Good Work Project is why people tapped out on communities uh, that call themselves churches. Because we are convinced that even today people desire to spend their most transformative minutes, uh, their most, uh, most sacred hours with people they trust and love dearly. We actually think people, we actually believe people still want community um, on a very deep level. But they quit finding it in the brick and mortar Sunday morning experiences of churches. And we had to start asking ourselves why. And we have been doing the research now for a little over a year as to why that's happening. And soon we're going to start really sharing a lot more of that in, I hope, a more meaningful way than just anecdotal things that I would tell you on Facebook Live Wednesday nights at 645 here on this Facebook page. Um, but I can say this. Um, without, without a rhythm of celebration and a rhythm of genuine connection with each other, Christmas... You can attend. You could attend a Christmas service with six thousand people in a in an auditorium or a sanctuary, or whatever you want to call it, and feel like you're completely alone. But you could serve Christmas dinner with three strangers and feel 
like something holy is going on. You could serve Christmas dinner at a at a at a at a shelter or a Red Cross or or whatever your uh, whatever your service project might be. Um, there's something there's something about interacting with others who find our values to be meaningful, mutually meaningful that that creates holiness. You know what I mean? And it's not about agreeing that A, B, and C is is the only way to 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 to, to interact with the universe, or that if you don't do X, that you are not a part of what we're doing as the human race in a good way. I'm talking about just simple ideas like love and compassion and kindness, joy, friendship, laughter, tears, those kinds of things. Somewhere along the line, church as a concept traded out relationships for doctrine. And that's a whole other subject that I don't have time for. But in the hierarchy of what church was about, when the church didn't have any power, when Christianity was new, it was not about instilling right doctrine into each other. It was about surviving together. Remembering Jesus was different when the church didn't have the leverage to sway legislation. Something happened when the church gained power that actually lost its ability to be intimate and transcendent and personally soul-filling. And so people created their own liturgical calendars. You and I have sought out our own ways to connect with the deepness of life. And I'm really curious to know what that's like for you. So maybe if you join one of our groups, hang out for a dinner, we might talk about that some more. But if nothing else, I hope that you consider those places in your life and in your rhythm of life where you set aside and you know, oh man, May 8th of every year, this is when we go do this and I am gearing up for it this year and we're going to have a great time, blah, 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 blah. Or September 23rd, that's the big September 23rd day that we all go smoke that cigar with all my college friends. We all meet halfway across the country. We all meet at a truck stop in Duluth and we all do the thing and then we leave. I don't know what it is, but you do something. You have some kind of calendar and there are days that are deeply meaningful and special to you. And I don't want you to give those up, but I do want you to consider why they are so important and consider how you draw others who may not have that type of meaningful interaction with folks. How, how do you, how, or how can I tell me how I can help draw other people into those meaningful interactions? I'm less concerned now about what the name of the holiday is. And I'm much more concerned now 
that we create space for people to feel like they are part of something meaningful and intimate and powerful, bigger than themselves, and yet attainable with their participation. Okay, my voice is absolutely shot. Um, I've got a lot going on this week. Uh, I hope you do too, and I hope it's all real good, powerful stuff. So anyways, um, thank you for watching. Uh, take care of yourself, uh, and I will talk to you later. Okay, bye guys.